Welcome back to yet another episode of The Talk, the podcast about changing the world by Nordea Private Banking. And in this episode, I am in Stockholm meeting with one of the most inspiring people I've seen in a while. She's been awarded as Entrepreneur of the Year, Most Powerful Entrepreneur of the Year, CEO of the Year, and she's running a company called Knox Consulting, a company that turns over north of 325 million crowns with only 11 employees. Let that sink in for a minute. Anyway, it's an incredibly inspiring conversation. I left this interview wanting to learn more and being inspired to be a better entrepreneur myself. And I think you just might as well. So check it out. Listen in to this conversation I have with Pernilla Ramslöv. So Pernilla Ramslöv, the most powerful entrepreneur of the year 2019 in Sweden. Yes. Is that is that correct? Yes, that is correct. That is so cool that I get to meet you. Well, it's a pleasure to to be here with you today. Wonderful. So, rumor has it that you sleep 8 hours every night and you never worry. That's true. That sounds like black magic. <laughs> For an entrepreneur, what's what's with this? How does this work? Well, I think the sleep thing is something that I've I've had since uh, since I was a child. It's just I'm an on and off person. So I get tired and the system just goes off. I just have to go to sleep and then I just go on and then I'm like a Duracell bunny. So ho- probably hopeless to live with. But uh, but uh, and it's the same thing when I'm hungry. I'm hungry and I'm hungry now <laughs> that oh. I need to eat. So I'm an on and off person. I think that probably that's the reason why the thing with the sleep and but it really it really helps I think sleep is so important for you to be energized and to be to be the best of your of you yeah I I mean uh, how does that work on vacations by the way if you're in like Rome and you need food now do you do you, do you walk around looking for the best restaurant or you just grab whatever's close no so usually when I'm uh, off like that i i have a bag of nuts or something uh, in my purse so uh, if i get hungry i fix it right <laughs> yeah in, in sweden I'm not, I'm not sure what about other how how big bamse is in other countries but in sweden we have bamse and in bamse they have skalman and skalman is just like that he he has an eat and sleep clock yeah right? I, yes <laughs> so, yeah but i'm not i'm not a, you know exactly a certain time it's just it happens, you know, I'm hungry now. <laughs> yeah, okay. Awesome. So that's how sleep works for you. Do you also power nap or only? No, no, never. Okay. I can't, I can't really power nap. And I guess that's because I'm, I'm I get my sleep yeah, you don't <laughs> during the night. I don't need the power naps. Right. No. So, so you, you sleep eight hours a night. That sounds good. That's probably great for everybody really. And, but you also never worry. How does that work? So I, I went to this Dale Carnegie class or course. It was during a, a semester. And um, that's when I sort of learned that, you know, 90% or 95% of the things that you worry about never happens. So I realized that I did worry about things and it really didn't provide me with any benefits. <laughs> so uh, I just made the decision not to worry and and the fact is that um it really is an energy boost not to worry and 
realizing that when something happens, because shit happens, <laughs> then you need all that energy. So um, it's it's become a, a, a lifestyle for me. But uh, and for me, it worked. I, so I, I really never worry. No. I think probably in all the episodes I've done, I think I've done about 60 interviews over this year. That's probably the best piece of advice I've ever heard. <laughs> well, I take that as a, yeah, I'm, I'm happy about that. I'm happy to be able to share something that can actually do something for other people. In, yeah. yeah, so if you if you don't have time to listen anymore, you've gotten the best piece of advice already, so now you can tune out. <laughs> And so that that's that's awesome. I actually used a similar kind of philosophy uh, for building culture at my own company, mm-hmm. where we had um, the idea that if you have a really relaxed culture, it's super like laid back, no like um, no not a lot of structure, just laid back. Then when you actually need to do something, you can do it so much better and it's, I got it from Bruce I call it the Bruce Lee culture mm-hmm. so you need to be as relaxed as possible so you can punch really hard when you punch so that was like the idea <laughs> yeah similar yeah similar yeah absolutely and uh, I and I actually do practice karate so I can very much relate to go. that yeah <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah so and Knox Consulting so you turned over north of 325 million Swedish crowns and from what I could read in the annual report, with 12 employees. It's actually 11 employees, yeah, but that's true. Who left? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody left, actually. Okay. Uh, uh, it was a, a mutual decision, yeah. Yeah, okay, so, but an- anyway, that's, that's impressive. How does that work? Well, um, we have this model. So we are a, a consultancy company with no employed consultants. But it's a sort of a unique combination between a traditional consultancy company with employed employees uh, or consultants and the broker model, if you will, uh, where our consultants are freelancers. But we do everything for the freelancers that a traditional consultancy company do for their employees in terms of sales, marketing, uh, competence development, uh, sharing of experiences, social events and so forth so they are sort of uh, they are a, a very important part of the company and we we treat them and we, we view these freelancers as our consultants as a part of our company and but still they aren't they aren't employed they have we have no exclusive they have no exclusive ties to us and they don't pay anything to be a part of Knox so we have sort of combined uh, the best of two worlds in that sense. So building a, a, a large community of super skilled IT competence. So if you only build a, a platform, then, well, I guess then you just have the platform. But you're actually kind of building a culture with these people that are not employed here. But that, yeah, that's true. So we really make them a part of our company. Uh, and I think that has to do a lot of both with, with vision and leadership and, and culture, as you say, and and having a, a, a truly inclusive culture uh, in your company where we really treat them as our employees. We make them a part of everything that we do, everything from CSR uh, to writing a book to being a part of our, our um business development and what they want from us and so forth so we're a platform with a very human touch right and Uh, why is 
culture important? I think culture is the most important thing in a company and it always exists in a company, whether you create it or not. It's the culture that makes people want to be a part of your company or not to be a part of your company. Usually when people start uh, a position, they look at the, the salary, the title, the, the things that you're going to do and you end uh, your employment because of leadership and values and culture. So I think culture is truly one of the most important things in a company. And, and you said that uh, people stay or they they want to stay or they don't want to stay. I guess that's another way of talking about loyalty. Yeah. Which is one of your big words. I've, I, in all the research, research I did, I, the word loyalty kept coming up everywhere. And I think loyalty is, uh, is a very interesting term. It's not something you can buy from either clients or consultants or employees or from nobody. It's something that you deserve. And uh, and therefore, it's it's all about what you do and how you do it and how you treat people, and then you deserve the, their loyalty. Yeah. And how how do you get off the ground with something like this? How did it all start? Actually, my my husband came up with an uh, with an idea with the company he was working with previously, and uh, and we said, well, this is something we could try out in the consultancy business. And then, really, it's it was all about you know taking the cherry pick the best pieces from what was already out there. And uh, you know, some people told me, it was like, what are you doing? Are you starting a new consultancy company? There are too already too many out there, uh, but. Um, no, I, I didn't listen to that. So, <laughs> but so we did. We did cherry pick uh, the best pieces of of a lot of business models, and uh, but we had a good start. Uh, we we collaborated with another company and and jointly we um, we focused on a few customers and so very quickly we we got off the ground and but it was also about both me and my partners had a large network uh, previously that we took advantage of. So the first year we had a turnaround of 43.7 million Swedish crowns. So that was in quite one a year? in one year. So that's uh, in, in the first year. In I the first say. year. Yeah. In the first year. Yeah. yeah. So <coughs> we were profitable from day one. Oh, well, that yeah, that's quite an achievement <laughs> both both of those things. <laughs> and and uh, so you, I guess you didn't have a lot of platform building and and uh, you know you didn't have to invest in a lot of things from the get-go you just pretty much got off the ground with a spreadsheet or something or, or how did it yes work? and and that was actually one of my uh, one of the ideas I um, I didn't want to have any risk in the company uh, so the idea was that we could drop all the cost in one day or at least 98% of all the cost in one day. It was possible for us to to do things, to take risks, to because we knew that, you know, if things go wrong, we can just drop everything. So we had no office, we had uh, we had our finance outsourced. We uh, I mean, it was basically two people, two computers, two telephones, and that was it. Uh, so uh, when we look at entrepreneurs and so entrepreneurships in at least in Sweden, the the successful entrepreneur is the entrepreneur that gets a lot of funding. 
it's not the entrepreneurs that make money on their own. So that's that's what you read about. That's when you look at Break It or DE Digital, uh, DI Digital. That's, you know, you read about the entrepreneurs that got a lot of money. And I think that's one of the things that actually made us successful is the fact that we didn't have any money. Because when you don't have money, you have to be creative. You have to be innovative. You have to come up with ideas of how can we create a large event for all of our consultants when it can't cost anything. We talk so much about valuations. Valuation is like this you know, holy grail word that break it and all the others uh, love to talk about. Mm. But evaluation really is, um, uh, you know, it's a bet almost yeah. like on the future that this is what we think this is going to be worth. And for that reason, we invest on this valuation and suddenly your company's worth that much, you know, uh, even though you may not have proven anything and you don't really know. Yeah. And, and you're building a company the other way around. And I think... Um, you know, we we need those companies too. I guess we need both, right? I think we need both. I agree. I agree because there are some some ideas uh, and some innovations that need investment in order to you know create them even. Yeah. Uh, but Spotify, for example, absolutely, yeah, or, absolutely. or Northvolt, even better. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. So we definitely need those, but I think we need we need the others too, and we need to. Uh, make young entrepreneurs see that there is another way you can create your business and uh, where where you actually have have clients paying clients <laughs> from day yeah. one yeah and profits yeah, and, and, and a prof margin and a business model that yeah. works yeah yeah, yeah. but, but if we can just go back a little bit because i think this is so important for for the country and for i think a lot of the listeners here are entrepreneurs themselves and just to kind of on the one hand we see like okay the world seems to be moving more towards a gig economy mm. in general mm. uh, and um, for good reason because a lot of what was uh, needed if you needed a company to have all the accounting and all the stuff that you today there are great apps for most things right, right? Mm. it or, or, or you know everything lives in the cloud and you don't have to have a server park because you can have it all on aws or something you know uh, so that all speaks to the case that the gig economy is the way to go mm. for many businesses, not all, but many. Mm. But politically, we are encouraging, we are discouraging that, and we're encouraging the other model where where it's not gig economy, it's hiring people. And you can see that you know from a political point of view that yeah, that's good for the numbers of employment numbers, you know, for the next election. Yeah, but it may not be good for the country. No. To, to decide on a political level that we're going to give these guys with this model three two to three times the tax of those other people when we also see that the world's actually moving towards a gig economy for good reason. Mm. Yeah, we see you know, Sweden needs entrepreneurship, right? We're a small country. We need innovation. We can't rely on our natural resources forever. And we need to invent things, and we have done so, but we also keep selling our companies to other countries so we yeah. don't have them anymore. Then we need to create new ones, right? Yes. And yes. your company actually would be a great export. You, know, you could set it up somewhere else fairly, I shouldn't, shouldn't say easily, but I mean, it's easier than starting a, a, a you know, full-scale consultancy with thousands of employees in another country, I would say, right? Because you don't need the same uh, capital. and, and the No, absolutely. I mean, it's... it's uh it's very easy uh, on on one hand, uh, but then it's uh, 
it it could be challenging on the other <laughs> hand uh, because we and and I say that for a reason because we tried uh, we had uh, we did an attempt in London where coming back to culture uh, it was a complete cl- crash in culture there was no match whatsoever where where we talk about uh, we talk about loyalty we talk about responsibility we talk about amore uh, where uh, the british is so far away from that uh, it's so much more hierarchies and individualism and uh, much more conservative so they really didn't like uh, or they didn't uh, they didn't match our our amore message at all <laughs> right well yet <laughs> yet yet and there was a there was a, a small time a, a short time when i think i i was confident that i i was going to be the one changing that but then i realized that it's better that, that i focus on other things <laughs> <laughs> you know that is uh that is so interesting. Actually, you know, one of my favorite words in the world is yet, because you can add it yeah. after <laughs> anything that you said not work is not working. You can always add yet. yet. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. And I th- actually think that what you're talking about, that they, that culture didn't exist there. I think that's one of the reasons that this would be a great export. Yeah, maybe you're right. I mean, if you would be able to create a, a place where this culture exists, and start building that and and i mean okay so that didn't succeed yet but (laughs) (laughs) but it might the next time you try or in a different country and then you can come in with this type of culture that we i don't know i i'm not i don't not familiar with all cultures in the world but i can imagine that this kind of swedish culture could be cool somewhere else i mean and not least that we have similar cultures in the nordic countries so Mm. that might work and then we may be able to export that to other countries and i know that at least it it's an attractive proposition. I've talked to a lot of people, you know, that speak very highly of Swedish corporate culture uh, elsewhere. So it could be interesting. And I'd say it will work the first time or the second, but after, you know, eventually. But also, I I really want to talk a little bit about uh, you. How did your interest for entrepreneurship start from be- from the very beginning? Like, how did you? start businesses when you were a kid did you sell you know, lemonade on the street <laughs> how did is, is it were you born with this uh my my father says that i was probably born with it when uh when i was three years old uh, my parents bought a um, they they built a a country house uh, a small cottage and um there were these nails nails um, in the in the lawn, so and uh, my dad thought it was a great idea that me and my sister picked up these nails from the lawn, and we got I don't know ten ore for for each nail that we picked up, and um, I immediately went to the big. Uh, box of nails and, <laughs> and grabbed so I and so I gained my you know I don't know how many crowns I gained you know immediately and my dad didn't realize that I'd actually stole them from the from the box rather than pick them from, from the lawn <laughs> so, so he says that I was a business businesswoman from <laughs> from birth but uh, yeah. I actually did start my first business if you would call it business 
when I was 11, uh, and I've told this story so many times, but uh, 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 my sister is three years older, and that summer she got her first summer job, and I was so jealous of her making her own money. So, um, but I was too young to have a summer job. So I created a list of services that my parents could buy from me, uh, like was ironing shirts and cutting the lawn and doing the vacuum cleaning and stuff like that. A concierge uh, service. A concierge <laughs> service, yes. Uh, and it was very popular. I was probably too cheap. Uh, but uh, so they bought my services and my, my neighbors bought my services. So that summer I made more money than my sister. And I think that's where my entrepreneur, the devil, uh, entrepreneur devil in Bit me, uh, yeah, 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 was <laughs> born. Because, and I think, you know, looking back at it, I think that what, what triggered me was that being able to create something from nothing. And uh, so um, it, it's been, I think it's sort of been in my blood since then. And I've, I've done a number of, of good and bad uh, entrepreneur stories. So, uh, yeah. yeah. I think, I mean, so many people have never tried entrepreneurship. And I, you know, I don't think it's for everybody. I mean, and luckily so, because <laughs> we also need to have employees doing different things. But there's such a rewarding feeling in what you just said, to create something out of nothing. It's just, I think it's the same, it's very similar to what an artist feels or, you know, a painter or uh, just, just that, that is so, such a m sense of meaning and, and, you know, and how you can create something like that. I think that's something that more people should get to feel. Yeah, someday. try out, yeah. yeah. And, and you really feel so empowered you're able to do something. You're able to actually make a difference for yourself. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, that's not a bad way to end an episode, I think. Uh, and uh, if people want to find out more about Knox and you, uh, how can they find you? So uh, the, the probably easiest way is uh, through the website, knoxconsulting.se, and then just you know take it from there. Wonderful. Oh. I'm so glad you took the time to meet me. Thank you so much. We had a wonderful morning. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, I think you will love the ones we have in the pipeline for you. We have some truly amazing guests coming up. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast player to make sure you don't miss any of them. Also, we would love if you could help us rate this podcast on iTunes to help us spread the word. That makes a huge difference. I'm Walter Nesland, and I look forward to seeing you soon in the next episode of The Talk, a podcast about changing the world by Nordea Private Banking.